Morrisville Town Councilman Steve Rouse. Steve, how are you? Nate, uh, great to be with you. I look forward to being there next week in the studio. Smorrisville. Uh, th- this was kind of a surprise, and it's also kind of fun, I suppose. Morrisville is going to officially change its name on August 10th to Smorrisville for S'mores Day. Yes, yes, and this was a, this was something that was planned a number of years ago, where literally the town becomes S'moresville for one day, which is pretty funny. And uh, on on August 10th at Morrisville Community Park, from six to seven, you'll be able to come and with your families. There'll be food vendors on hand. Our mayor will be there handing out scoops of ice cream at Handel's Ice Cream at actually 3.35 before the event. But it's just a great idea. People love s'mores. Great way to get the families out. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, I'm sure it'll also be fun for the mayor, too, when he gets to read a proclamation changing the town's name to Smorrisville for the day. Yeah, just the day, right? So pretty pretty interesting there. So, yeah, well, you can go to the town of Morrisville's Facebook site and, um, you know, we'll be promoting it uh, in a number of different avenues. But I really want to thank our staff and our team for promoting these events. Um, I think it's a great way to bring families together. Yeah, no question. And it's pretty easy to bring people together over chocolate and marshmallows and graham crackers, I think, too. Yeah, especially these days, huh? <laughs> Looking more nationally, kind of the big thing, and I've had several experts on the show. I had a lawyer on the other day uh, to give kind of his legal expertise. I've had various people of uh, various backgrounds and opinions talk about the whole situation with Donald Trump. Uh, you as a town councilman who is a registered Democrat, what are your thoughts here seeing Donald Trump yet again going to a courthouse uh, and being arraigned on indictments. Yeah, it's amazing. And I'll wear my commentator's hat for a minute. I mean, this is unprecedented in U.S. history to have a former president indicted. And, you know, this is the third case. And let's not forget, you've got the hush money case. You've got the um, classified documents case in Mar-a-Lago. But this is really saying that the president has uh, really gone after the bedrock of democracy, in the words of Jack Smith. And, and so... It, it, I mean, let me tell you, Nate, what this means for the elections. Is, is that, you know, someone asked me, well, can the president run? And the president of the United States can run again, um, even if he's convicted of crimes. But there is a pathway to blocking them, the 14th Amendment. And your experts probably cited that. It's just you can't hold office if you take an oath and then, win, and then engage in insurrection or rebellion. Now, in this case, it hasn't been proven yet, but he's been charged with this, and it was as a former president. So what if he were elected? There's already states saying that they're going to you know, petition and say that it violated the 14th Amendment if he is elected a year from now. Um, but what is that going to mean to our country if we have a president elected and then we don't even know whether he can serve in office? Because they, the president of the United States cannot be removed from office with charged with crimes or convicted in crimes with office. But in this case, Donald Trump, was convicted, was charged, and maybe convicted as a former president. So even experts don't know how they're going to handle that situation. Right. I think anyone who is an expert, I don't think there is an expert for this situation. We're all kind of learning as we go. And you bring up a good point that there are rules that certain people cannot run for president. But that said, those rules won't apply until there's an actual conviction. And chances are we're not going to be anywhere close to that before the election actually happens. No, and we don't know what this is going to mean. In North Carolina, I, I think, I, I still believe Trump is a nominee. I think Democrats across the board, including Josh Stein, probably will have an advantage if there's Trump fatigue like the midterms. Uh, we don't know whether this will affect their nomination, uh, you know, in terms of the primary. If he is on trial during the election, how is that going to work? 
Now, most of his campaigns were rallies and things like that, but this could be a president running, a former president, um, while he's on trial. So all of these things, I think, are going to be interesting. And, of course, Joe Biden running as the incoming president. So will this help his chances or hurt his chances? Um, I've never seen this before, and uh, it's going to be, we're going to be watching this very closely across the state of North Carolina. Um, and, and meanwhile, you know, real quickly, we're going to talk about next week, legislature, they said they're going to go back in on the 15th to pass the budget. They're going to do some overrides of uh, some of the governor's vetoes on transgender and athletics uh, bills. Medicaid expansion, we're concerned about it being delayed. And um, pay raises that were supposed to go effect on July 1st can't take place. So, you know, people want this legislature to get wrapped up. Yeah, the Medicaid expansion uh, should happen, but it all comes down to that budget, which has taken a lot longer to get finalized than anyone thought it should. Yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, and then you know, next week we'll talk about it. There's been some efforts to curtail the governor's power uh, on boards and commissions, uh, ranging from transportation to economic development. And I know Attorney General Stein was concerned about that. So that's another issue. What are the reasons driving those efforts? Um, you know, should the role of the legislature be to make the laws, not take them away from the executive branch, but Speaker Moore and um, President Berger of the Senate basically say that they're just doing what they think is right, which is just limiting the government, you know, reducing the governor's power in some of these areas. So, you know, it, it's, uh, it's always exciting, even in the summertime in politics. Well, I feel like with a situation like that, you all, it always begs the question of uh, would the same sort of things be happening if it was Democrats who had super majorities? Would would the Republicans be crying the same fouls? You make you raise a really good point. I think that the the bottom line, and I truly believe this, is that should you know should any party use super majorities? And our super majority is a healthy thing. And I think gerrymandering leads us to this. I don't think political parties should be in the business, or politicians should be in the business of selecting their voters. I think the voters in North Carolina, and that's why you and I have had people like, you know, former Governor McCrory, you no know, labels. We had Patrick Newton from the Forward Party. Is it time to have an independent kind of third party come in that's representative of all the people of the state? That seems to be missing today. So I, I agree with you. If the Democrats were in charge, it could be, it, it could be the same. Um, you know, I mean. Who knows? I'm talking with Steve Rao, Morrisville Town Councilman, and next week for one day he'll be a Town Councilman of Smorrisville. Uh, just we've only got a few more seconds left. The cricket situation. So we had a lot of success in terms of uh, that the Major League Cricket Organization thought the tournament Morrisville had was very successful. Uh, now we're considering the Cricket World Cup. What's the latest with that? Yeah, yeah. I talked about this a little bit last week, but basically we've been shortlisted. Morrisville, along with uh, cities in New Jersey and Florida and New York, or actually New York, have been shortlisted for the T20 World Cup, June 2024. This is huge. So we're going to work with the the, the, uh, try the uh, Major League Cricket to figure out how we can get our field expanded, the same one that you and I went to go see, but we're really excited about it. So looking forward to this exciting news. This could be a game changer if we bring some of the greatest cricket players in the world right here. It's hosted by the West Indies and the United States of America. And so Morrisville would be one of the cities, one of the towns in North Carolina that hosts the World Cup. So would we be required to have to build a significant amount of grandstands in order to land that event? Based on my conversations with Samir Mehta, the CEO of the Major League Cricket, and uh, a a few other executives, I do think we would have to expand the seating, at least to about 10,000. 
Um, but there, there's all kinds of opportunities. And like I said, I've got ideas about state funding, other funding we can secure. So um, parking's a little tight, but hey, we're not going to lose this opportunity. So hopefully you and I will be at the World Cup next, next year. Well, Steve Rao, thanks for uh, calling in. I'll see you next week. See you next week in the studio. Thank you, Nate.